Welcome to Breaking Bad News, Apron Food PR's podcast about food brands, recalls, withdrawals, alerts and issues, and the way they're treated in the press and on social media. Welcome to this edition of Breaking Bad News. I'm Jeff Hahn. I'm joined by my co-host, Jenny Gregorsik. Jenny, we're still virtual these days. How are you doing? Hey, Jeff. Howdy. Great to talk to you. I'm doing great. You know, I have to tell you, I really love doing these episodes with you and reporting. I think it's such a nice break from the uh, laptop and Zoom calls that just seem to take up the entire day. But I will say this episode is extra special because we have some good news to celebrate. Good news? Uh, I could use some good news. Um, what's, what are we celebrating? I think we could all use some, some good news, but you may have actually forgotten that it's good news because we've been talking about it for so darn long, but your book is finally here and we actually have physical hard copies that we can hold in our hand. They are. They're finally here. It's, <laughs> it's been seven years uh, uh, from the start of this project to a couple of days ago and they finally showed up. We have 46 boxes stuffed into a little office here in our office space. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I, I wish I was like over the moon happy, but I'm feeling a little worn out if I'm honest. <laughs> I can absolutely understand that. Well, congratulations to you. It is uh, just a tremendous accomplishment and a labor of love, I know. And not many people can say that they're published authors, so that's pretty darn cool. Uh, I'm sure you, I'm sure you learned a lot along the way too. But I have to ask you, would you do it again? Uh, that is a negative, big time. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, sorry, that was probably a knee-jerk reaction. Actually, I've got three pages in longhand in my notebook for what I might, you might call it a monograph, like a single subject idea. Mm -hmm. um, I've been kicking it around a little bit because, you know, Breaking Bad News is really focused on fast breaking activity. In fact, um, one of the features of the centerpiece model is this TikTok box. And the, the theory is if inside that TikTok box, Best in best case or best case scenario or best in class performance is 120 minutes or two hours. If you can get things under control in about two hours, you can control your narrative. But look at where we are. We are in a um, not a fast breaking crisis situation with COVID-19. We're in a slow breaking crisis situation. We're what about 10 weeks into this? So I'm thinking about. A, new, a monograph called Breaking Slow News. Mm. I'm, it's, uh, I'm kicking around. I'm not sure. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. There's, you know, especially in the food space, there's, you know, acute crisis events like a recall, um, but then there's slow burn issues like activists and other yeah. topics that we deal with you know, every day, regulation, um, you know, all, all of those things. There's tons of slow news, you know, to use that phrase that can really damage a brand. So I think that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. I, I, um, uh, all of what made 
getting breaking bad news into the boxes and delivered here. Um, you know, we figured all of that stuff out in terms of uh, layout and design and the printing process and publishing and all of that. So um, it may it may not dissuade me from uh, taking another crack at it, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, you're you're a pro at it now. Well, um, <laughs> now that you do have 46 boxes of books, were you gonna send send some out to folks? I'm sending them to your house for storage. Great, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. In fact, <laughs> we we have a special introductory pricing right now on the book just to try to uh, get it out into the marketplace. So if you if anyone wants to go on to our website, breakingbadnewsbook.com. You'll find that um, if you submit your name and information, um, all you have to do is pay shipping. And so get in there, get them while they're hot. We've, we've got uh, 46 boxes to get out the door and we're ready to distribute those as quickly as we can. Great. All right. Well, I hope, uh, hope everybody listening will do that. But while I love your book and it is a huge accomplishment, we're not actually here to talk about that today because we're here to talk about recalls. Yay, recall of the month. We love it. That's right. And I've got a great one for us to talk about. It's really, really good. But, you know, I'm not going to give it away just yet. That's not my style. Do. It's mm-hmm. always this um, enormous surprise. And you're, you always try to drop hints, though. So um, you're going to drop some hints? Uh, we'll see. You know, first, there's something else I want to talk about. Okay. And maybe there might be a... There might be a clue or two hidden hidden in there somewhere. Who knows? All right. All right. So, but you have other things that you've got you want to uh, throw out in the process leading up to the big reveal. That's right. That's right. Just a couple things that are on my mind. And you mentioned it. You know, we're still right smack in the middle of this COVID-19 crisis. I think we're actually closer to 12 weeks into it. I don't know. I can't yeah. even remember what month or year it is anymore. <laughs> But, you know, throughout this whole very strange process, it's been really interesting to watch how food consumption patterns have shifted during this weird time. You know, even thinking about my own food consumption, if I rewind the clock back to March when things were really uncertain, you know, I was using pantry staples and getting whatever I could from the grocery store and getting really creative with my meals so that they would last as long as possible because I didn't know when I was going to be able to get back to the grocery store. I think today that pressure has lifted a little bit. I have more options with getting, you know, curbside and delivery windows that have um, opened up, you know, more ingredients that are are available, you know, things like pasta and beans that you couldn't find in March are now pretty available. Um, I will say I'm still not eating out like I did before. I'm still trying to meal plan as much as I can. I'm still trying to limit my grocery trips to as few as possible. Um, So just thinking about, you know, these big swings in my own food consumption, I was curious to see how that's showing up in terms of patterns on a national stage. Mm-hmm. So I actually asked our wonderful research team to do some digging and just wanted to share with you some of the things that they found because I think it's really, really interesting. Um, the first surprising trend that um, we saw pop up 
during this COVID time is in snacking. And snacking is something that's been on the rise for the last several years. Um, but in um, the four weeks, the uh, four weeks leading up to March 21st, salty snacks were up 20.4% in terms of sales, which I think is interesting. And, you know, my hunch is that people are, people are home. They're um, either working from home or they're not working at all. And they're reaching for, reaching for snacks and something salty, which I think was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, also a big trend in processed foods, I think for similar, similar reasons, people are home. And just like I was talking about with my own, um, you know, my own food consumption, they're looking for shelf stable things that will last for a while. So Campbell's Soup, good for them. They increased their sales by 59% this year um, compared to last year. Pretzel sales, also related to snacking, up 47%. Goldfish, also up 23%. So um, I think these, you know, these shelf stable go-to snacks are having a moment right now. So good for them. That makes a lot of sense. But um, you've grouped Campbell's Soup in with the uh, salty snacks. Is it just because it's easy to grab and prepare, very fast to prepare? Yeah, I think so. You know, they... Um, they have all of those little canned soups and things like that that you can just pop in the microwave. So not necessarily a handheld snack like pretzels or goldfish, um, but still, you know, kind of along that same vein. And that 59% number is just wild. That's um, a crazy number. Yeah, huge increase. Well, let me give you another huge increase. Um, Plant-based meats. Um, in one week in March compared to the previous week in 2019, they saw an increase of 454% in sales. Wow. I saw you sent me that number and I thought it was a typo. I said, well, it's either 45 or 54, but no, you're actually sticking with 454. Yeah, it's, it's wild. <laughs> and you know, nuts. I think it is, it is. But I think people are, you know, one, not necessarily able to find the, meats that they traditionally buy, whether it's just not available or, um, you know, they're not actually going into the grocery store. So these, a lot of these um, alternatives last, last longer and they're available. So I think people are giving them a try. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how that sales lift sustains or doesn't sustain. I don't know, but um, that was pretty interesting. And then another um, just interesting piece that, that came out of this that's really not a surprise, but people are, of course, doing their grocery shopping online. Um, I think there was, it was an Ipsos and USA Today survey um, that they did the first round on March 10th and March 11th, and then a follow-up again April 9th and 10th. And in the second wave of that survey, 41% of people said they had shifted more of their shopping to online, um, which was compared to just 13% who had done it in the first wave. So, and, you know. Uh, do you think, Jenny, that's going to be, um, there's going to be a bit of a rewiring. If I'm, if I'm shifting to online grocery, am I going to, is that going to be sort of a permanent thing? Am I going to shift that, the online store into my new primary grocery store? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, we're going to see 
that's certainly a trend I think that people are going to continue because it's so easy. Grocery stores have invested a tremendous amount of resources into making the shopping experience seamless. So I think it's going to be something that we continue to see. And people are spending a ton of money on groceries. One other just last stat that I'll um, hit you with that I thought was so interesting is that 43% of consumers are still stocking up on groceries and other things. You mean uh, even like toilet paper, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. The, the golden child of, of COVID-19 or whatever. Yeah, child, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So people are still stocking up. Wild. You know, I got a, um, I've been sort of frustrated by that particular topic. I was, um, I, I view the TEDx videos every once in a while, and I've stumbled into this one, this guy named Hans, Hans Hacker. And uh, Professor Hacker, he's a professor at Arkansas State. He was talking about the same phenomena, the stocking up or the hoarding of toilet paper. It was a pretty interesting in deep dive into social psychology and the hoarding mentality and behavior in scarcity. And the formula he advanced was, is really interesting. It wasn't just a scarcity-driven formula. Guys like Robert Cialdini would talk about scarcity as the, as the persuasive catalyst. But uh, uh, Professor Hawker was talking about like this. He said, all right, here's what's happened. Um, affluence in our society has increased. And with affluence, once that increases, so does people being more self-involved and, and, and individualistic. You know, we um, let's just think about our own behaviors. We drive into our driveways every night, garage door up, drive in, garage door down. That He's talking as sort of about that kind of behavior. Then he says, uh, takes it one step further. He says, this self-involved and individualistic behavior has led many people to disassociation. This is the key word. Disassociation in short-term behavior rewiring leads to antisocial behaviors like hoarding. Um, in long-term or more extreme examples, there's this um, phenomena that occurs where uh, you just can't stand to be around people who think differently than you. And of course, you know, we've seen that phenomena penetrate into our national politics. There's tribes of people, silos. Um, you only watch the news channel you agree with. You're infuriated by other uh, news, media, etc. And then one more step. There's a decline in civic involvement. Mm -hmm. You know, Hacker didn't move all the way here. He didn't go over the cliff like I'm about to, but you can move even further. And this is interesting from a crisis standpoint, crisis communication, crisis management. Um, there, uh, as you disassociate more and more, um, you can turn into or morph into what have become known as boogaloos. And boogaloos, they're really uh, extreme uh, right wing you can't call them an organization, but it's an extreme right-wing behavior. Really, there are modern-day anarchists. They um, use a technique called acceleration 
They are the accelerationist because when they see like a social fire burning, man, they jump in with all the gasoline. Yeah, they do. They throw the social media posts that inflame people. They, they'll even join protests they don't, they don't even care about. Uh, but they'll get into a protest and they'll um, create physical confrontation or violence or set stuff on fire uh, just to create more made-for-TV moments. And so, uh, <laughs> as I'm prone to do, I've gotten us off subject, but, <laughs> but I, I swung from your point of stocking up all the way to this peculiar human trait, this, this antisocial behavior, because it bothers me. I'm, I'm troubled by it. And I, I keep thinking to myself, there's got to be a antidote to it, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But you know what? I've, um, I, I'm, I've been, I'm, I'm obviously stocked up myself on soap because I've been on top of my soapbox here. And way <laughs> I'm a perch, I'm reminded we're not here to talk about boogaloos, but instead the recall of the month. And so you mentioned earlier it was tied to um, frontline food industry workers, I think. But um, I'm not sure where we are with it. You haven't really dropped very many clues. So I'm going to get me a salty snack. I don't have any Campbell's soup, but I'm going to go get me a salty snack, and I'm going to try to figure out what it is you're thinking about. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Watch out, goldfish crackers. Jeff's heading your way. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, I think that's really interesting. I'll have to read up on hackers' point of view. I have uh, hadn't heard about that social theory, so that's really uh, really interesting and interesting to apply. You know, of course, um, in in today's current landscape. So anyhow, but while you're off, uh, you know, eating your eating your salty snacks here, um, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, I will do the big reveal on this month's Recall of the Month. This episode of Breaking Bad News is sponsored by no one because no brands want to be associated with this topic. And can you blame them? The team from Apron Food PR, however, is proud to step into the vacuum. You can learn more about Apron Food PR's brand protection and promotion work by visiting apronfoodpr.com. Hey, welcome back to the second half of our recall of the month. This is May 2020, so we've got a big feature here. Jenny has brought into the conversation something very peculiar, and I still haven't figured out what it is. Typically on recall of the month, we like to dive deep into how news media has treated a particular recall, and we try to look for patterns, try to think about why a certain recall got a lot of attention, sometimes not at all. And Jenny usually gives me some clues on this, and I get really close. Well, maybe I've gotten close. But Jenny, uh, you've really been uh, playing this one close to the vest. So I went and uh, binged on some goldfish crackers while we were on break. And I'm asking myself right now, are you, are you going to uh, actually play nice uh, and give me some hints, or do I just need to keep eating right in front of you here? <laughs> oh, yes. Um... <laughs> That's funny. Um, you're right, I guess, though, I have not given many clues, at least not direct clues. But I will say 
that this month's recall is certainly new for our show. It's a topic we have not talked about before, um, but it actually does relate to our earlier COVID-19 conversation because I think people are going through a lot more of this now than they were pre-COVID. You mean, you mean they're using something more? Mm-hmm. Okay, we talked about toilet paper, uh, probably hand sanitizer, but I didn't see any recalls on that. Uh, same for disinfecting wipes. Okay, so I'm left to think about, I'm visualizing something associated with a liquor store. Am I close? <laughs> it's not, not any one of those. Um, although we are going to talk about uh, liquor stores in a little bit. This one will surprise you, but the recall of the month that we're talking about for May is on marijuana. Mm. Okay, salty snacks, come on. <laughs> that's right, that's right. See the tie there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, marijuana, the, but it's, um, we wouldn't consider it a food, but we're actually, if you um, understand the breadth of the products, it really is in a food category, isn't it? Yep, and, and it can be recalled. So, you know, I thought it was interesting. We've never talked about a mar marijuana recall on the show, and it's also pretty darn timely because with people at home so much, we're seeing an uptick, certainly to your point about liquor stores in alcohol consumption and also in marijuana usage. So we pulled some numbers from Nielsen to see how alcohol consumption is trending and people are, people are definitely uh, imbibing more. Spirit sales are up 31%, wine sales are up 27%, and uh, beer, cider, and uh, flavored malt beverages like Smirnoff Ice are up 15%. So tell me about it. I know. <laughs> I think you're all 15% of that, Jeff. <laughs> uh, no judgment. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting though, um, Nielsen looked at what the U.S. alcohol market sales need to be um, to uh, off-premise to make up for the um, impact of closed bars and restaurants, and they found that um, the alcohol market is going to need to sustain a 22% volume growth overall in order to, to close the gap there. So keep on drinking people, we can do it. Yeah, well, the, if you were to average those numbers together, 31, 32, 27, 15, you yeah. know, it's, um, uh, I don't have my gunculator in front of me, but you're not far off. Uh, the the at-home consumption has made up for the closure of bars and restaurants, perhaps. That's right. Yep. And then on the marijuana side, Bloomberg has been tracking weekly cannabis sales um, and they noted that they peaked um, the week of March 16th when, of course, COVID was really getting rolling um, by an increase of 64%. So, Talk yeah. Talk about stocking up. Mm hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think this, this trend is nothing new, um, of course, in terms of an increase in marijuana usage. Um, Gallup in 2019 found that 12% of American adults smoke marijuana regularly. Um, and we're seeing, you know, a, a lot more consumption in the population ages 65 and older. Um, I think it was the American Medical Association, their journal, that did a study and looked at marijuana usage between 2015 and 2018, and it more than doubled in the 65 and older 
audience. So they're using it more, you know, recreational marijuana usage is legal in 11 states now. It's legal for medicinal usage in 33 states. So, you know, I, we were already seeing this trend, but I think right now it's, it's bringing people comfort when they really need it. Um, I saw a great headline from Rolling Stone to back in March that was all about how to get high safely during the coronavirus pandemic. Um, you know, and it's all about how you shouldn't share pipes or bongs or any of that right now. So, you know, thanks Rolling Stone for, for the, for that PSA. Very important. Um, but bringing it back to the food safety topic, I would imagine very few people who are lighting up are thinking about any kind of safety concerns related to their bud. Um, so this month's recall of the month comes to us out of Oklahoma. And in fact, it is the state's very first pot recall. So congratulations, Oklahoma. Yay, way to go, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So let's dive into just a little bit of history on the marijuana industry in Oklahoma, because I think that's important. Um, so voters legalized medical marijuana use in June of 2018. And as of May 1st, 2020, 282,000 Oklahomans had medical marijuana cards. Um, so, you know, good, you know, that's a, a pretty high number, but testing is pretty new there. Um, they just approved the first licenses for testing labs in January of this year, and now there's 18 across the state. Mm. So all cannabis products are required to undergo testing in labs now. That was as of April 1st. I'm sorry. Um, no, they actually extended that deadline. So as of July 1st, all cannabis is going to have to go through testing in the state. Um, so that's a good thing. There will be more widespread testing in the state. Um, but with this particular recall, it was from this brand cracks me up. It's called Moon Mix. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, but I, it wasn't too long ago that I uh, drove through Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it feels like you're on the moon when you're driving through that state. Did you see any dispensaries? Uh, I did, in fact, yes. They're, um, it's not exactly like Washington State where you see them just populating the sides of the road but mm -hmm. yeah I spotted one or two because we stopped for gas and uh we stopped for gas in Norman oh college town yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sure I'm yep. sure there's more than one there interesting yeah that was I remember when they first legalized it in Washington state um and even Colorado too um but I mean you just drive down the side of the road and they're you're right they're they're everywhere so right. In Texas, we don't have that, so it's always interesting to me when I travel outside of the state. But anyhow, going back to this recall from Moon Mix, so what happened with them? Um, here's a little bit more information from a Oklahoma news site. Um, okay, let's see, more than 300,000 medical marijuana customers and dispensaries were told Friday about tainted cannabis from an Edmund company. And this is the state's first recall by the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority. And the products in a batch from manufacturer Moon Mix LLC tested for higher than allowed amounts of pesticide in vape cartridges and mints. And about 150 products were involved. Yuck. Yikes. 
Yeah, can you imagine if you're ingesting pesticide? Oh man, that's just, that's not good. Nobody wants to be inhaling or ingesting pesticide. Oof. But I think here's the most interesting thing from a, from a food safety perspective. Um, concerns were also raised in early March about the levels of salmonella and staphylococcus in some medical marijuana test batches during, it was a quarterly meeting of their medical marijuana authority uh, food safety standards board. So it's good that they have a food safety standards board. Um, so it, it sounds like um, it was detected in the actual, the marijuana flower after it had been processed. So um, they said indicating likely exposure toward the end of the manufacturing chain. So again, I mean, I don't think anybody buying these project products, especially thinking, you know, it's for medicinal usage in Oklahoma. I don't think they're thinking about staph or salmonella, but it's an organic product. So it's, it's certainly possible. Well, and it really speaks to the notion of supply chain. Where if you think about pesticides, that is a grower that is somehow or another warping the supply chain in a, in a negative direction. Um, when you get up to the processor, salmonella and staphylococcus, that you, would, you just don't think about that as a part of this product set. But um, it brings into full view how the, int the integrity of the entire supply chain has to be intact, doesn't it? That's right. Mm -hmm. I, was, uh, I was actually reading um, in Food Safety Tech this article by Francine Shaw, and she was talking about the way that um, medical, pardon me, not medical only, but cannabis is consumed. I mean, you got your capsules, you got your chewable gummies, you got your lollipops, you got your cookies. All of these are ingested foods. And we don't think so much about marijuana as being that in that category of edibles, but there they are. And there really aren't any regulatory standards for cannabis products. So the market is by and large, um, and at, buy at your own risk market. That's right. But if you're going to consume weed, you 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 know you might want to stay in orbit around Denver. Well, that's funny, isn't it? You can stay in orbit with Moon Mix. See what I just did there? <laughs> I see. You. I see. You got it. <laughs> uh, but I guess in Denver, um, the the Denver health inspectors are really uh, pretty busy. They, and of course, Colorado's was first in the nation in the cannabis game. And so you're, this isn't unexpected, but um, they're conducting a lot of investigations and uh, many are ending in recalls. Still in most places, um, unsafe cannabis edibles up and down the supply chain, however that's regulated, uh, they're being in, produced and sold to the public. And so there's some risk. There, there sure is. And I think it's great to see the work that's coming out of Colorado and the recalls there. I think we ought to expect more recalls, especially as more states legalize this product. Um, yeah, to your point, I think um, it's a, a patchwork of regulation at, at best, but so much of it is just completely unregulated. So I think re just regardless of your politics and how you feel about marijuana usage, legalizing it federally would certainly help with the food safety 
monitoring piece of it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, kind of sign us up as advocates on that petition. That'll be right good. on. Now, yep. the the question though, Jenny, that we always talk about is um, news coverage, and I got to be honest with you. Aside from the food safety tech article, I I just haven't seen much about this. Did I miss something? No, you didn't. I, I you know, I'll be honest. There was very very little coverage on this topic. And, you know, I think um, part of that is because it was localized to one state, but we did some looking to find out um, what coverage was looking like on any recalls in, in May, because I just wasn't seeing a lot. And no surprise, COVID-19 continued to wow. just dominate the news. And uh, recall coverage took a pretty big nosedive. In fact, in April, we saw 68 recalls and about 2,300 news stories about those recalls. For comparison, in May, we saw 13 recalls, so down from 68 to 13, and about 1,000 stories about those. Mm -hmm. Half, yeah, and you're right. Uh, I suspect that COVID-19 and the coverage that it's earned along with presidential politics and all that stuff. I mean, it's just suffocating the news cycle. Have you been, have you been having trouble? Cause you do a lot of the promotions work for our food clients. Are they having trouble breaking through into news cycles these days? Yeah, I think it's hard to get consumer attention on, on much else. So a lot of, you know, the um, big campaigns and stuff like that have been pushed off for a couple of months because, um, you know, folks just aren't, aren't in that mind space right now. Yeah. There's really just no oxygen in the environment for uh, any other news. You're right. So, well, it, we can't think too much else about it these days. And I get it in a blog post that I'm about to put up on my LinkedIn profile. I'm going to talk about the fatigue that that's causing and how it's just generally um, weighing us all down. But in our moon mix recall of the month, we have to be glad that we didn't see anything about anybody getting sick. Is that right? Yeah, no kidding. When you're talking about ingesting pesticides and the potential for salmonella and staph, it is very good that nobody got sick. Well, that's a good pick then. Yeah. I like your pick, Jenny. That was, um, that was unique and um, probably... Um, very good, uh, very in, uh, useful for those uh, folks that are listening. Now they can have a little bit more confidence on how they go shopping for their weed. That's right. That's right. And you know what? It's um, definitely something different from our usual undeclared allergen, allergen or foreign object. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this was fun to change it up a little bit. Yeah, I like it. I like it. For some reason, though, I'm wanting some Doritos. I don't know why I have uh, just got this feeling. The goldfish didn't do it. So yeah, you're staying safe and healthy at your place. We'll get to see you um, online through Zoom and we'll do another recall of the month pretty quick. Okay, that sounds great, Jeff. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Breaking Bad News. Subscribe and learn more at apronfoodpr.com. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. It really helps.